This is a short series, uh, week three, and, and, and I want to encourage you to, to, to really listen up today. In fact, I'm going to say it a little bit closer to my notes uh, today because there's, there's some, a lot of stuff packed into here, not necessarily just content, but just a lot of nuggets I feel like God has, has shared with me in my spirit, and I really feel like uh, many of us, most of us actually could really use this word today. So I'm going to encourage you uh, to just uh, remove distractions and uh, focus in on this message here as we close out Simplify. We talked last week about, uh, or the first week, about um, just an introduction of, of, of Simplify. And we talked about um, the question we asked, how full is your bucket? How full is your bucket? And remember I had a, had a bucket here it was clear, and it had marks on it. It had low, medium, and high. And there are things in our life that, it's sort of, that we do that fills our bucket, our bucket of, of energy, our bucket of, of focus. And um, there are people in our lives that, um, that fill our buckets. And there are things we do that fill our buckets. But there are also people in our lives and things we do that sort of drain our buckets. Even Jesus had his bucket, his, his, his body, his emotions, his, you know, his, his mind. Even Jesus had his bucket drained from time to time, running on low. And so he had to go and refill his bucket. And the way he did that, he went to a solemn place with, uh, where he could spend time with God the Father. And he hung around friends who filled his bucket. And he fulfilled his purpose in life, which is coming to, and to share the gospel and to, and to heal the sick. And so when he was able to fulfill that, his purpose, it sort of filled his bucket. And so he was there, okay, I'm energized, I'm ready to go on. Many times Jesus, Jesus did those things. And, and that's just what's recorded in scripture. I mean, how many times did he go to a solemn place and spent time with God the Father? Many, many times over. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is filling our bucket? Well, there are things that, that we can do that, that are really, really important to make sure that we are living, with our pur- living our purpose and that we are doing things that fill our bucket. Remember, I had the rocks and I had sand filling a, a, a different bucket and the sand represented this things that we just kind of do throughout the day and things that just kind of waste our time. And, but you have these big rocks, these rocks with purpose, like spending time with God the Father, you know, spending time you know, with, with those you love and building those relationships, taking care of, of, of your body, whether it be you know, working out or those things, um, uh, fulfilling your purpose in, in, in your job or maybe here at church, doing those things. You want to make sure you do those things first. It's like we talked about with giving, giving to the Lord. We, that's why we say it, the first fruits of our increase. We do that first, and then God will bless the rest. You do this first in your bucket, in your life, then God will bless the rest, and he will give you wisdom for the rest of that. And then last week, we talked about simplifying our burden. Simplifying our burden. We all have burdens in our life. Even Jesus said that. But Jesus said, my burden is light. If you come to me, the burden I give you is going to be light. It's not gonna be heavy. And even Jesus uh, obviously carried a burden. And ultimately, his burden was extremely heavy. The sins of all mankind laid upon him on the cross. But we looked at the example in the Bible about Mary and Martha, sisters, 
of Lazarus and how Martha was in the kitchen and she was concerned about what, what people were gonna, gonna say or think if, if there was not a meal for the Son of God. I mean, how many times is the Son of God in your home? So she want, wants to make sure that all that son, she was, she's doing a meal, she's, she's, she's worried, she's distracted. And, and, and she's consuming her schedule with this, and she, she ultimately goes to Jesus, her guest, and says, could you tell Mary, just get up and help me? Paraphrased by Frank Bennett. And so Jesus said, no, 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 Martha, you're worried, you're concerned, Mary has chosen the best thing. Now, going to help Martha was a good thing, but Mary chose the best thing. Because Mary remembered a chapter before where Jesus fed the 5,000. And Mary's like, why do I have to worry about preparing a meal when the man who fed 5,000 with the boy's lunch is sitting right here in my living room? She didn't have to concern herself with that. So have you lifted heavy burdens while forgetting that Jesus can handle it for you? What heavy burdens are you carrying where Jesus is saying, look, I got it, I got it, just let it go. And so when we let go of our heavy burdens, we simplify our life. Well, we could talk for weeks and weeks and weeks about simplifying our lives and things we can do, but I really feel like this week in this final message that God has spoken to me and said, look, I need you to tell Lake Point Church and everyone who listens online or watches online that we need to simplify our identity. We need to simplify our identity. I'm gonna share with you a, a, a couple of sentences here that I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sharing throughout this message because I want you to make sure you understand this. So the most effective way you can simplify your life is to find out who you really are and live it. Let me say that again. The most effective way you can simplify your life is to find out who you really are and live it. But you may not know who you are because you're caught having to pretend to be someone you're not. So what does pretending look like? Pretending to be someone you're like, you're not. What does pretending look like? Well, we can, we can pretend in a couple of um, different areas when it deals with perception. Um, we pretend when we don't have a healthy perception about ourselves or a healthy perception of how others see us. When we don't have a healthy perception of ourselves, who we are, and if we don't have a healthy perception of how what we think others see us, then we start pretending to be someone that we're not. So what, what does this look like in our lives? I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share with you uh, this example in my own life. Um, I grew up in a mobile home park. In high school, there was a mobile home park right next to the high school. And uh, um, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I was, I didn't feel good about living in a mobile home park. You know why? Because all my friends at school lived in the rich neighborhood. 
They did. They lived in the really good parts of town. They lived in the fancy neighborhoods. Before I was driving, I never wanted anyone to bring me home. Good thing I lived right next door to the high school. Um, There were never any study sessions at Frank Bennett's house. There were always at somebody else's house who lived in the better neighborhood. I would tell people all about my, about my house. Hey, where do you live? And what do your house look like? Oh, I kind of live around the school. You know, we, we got this in our house and that kind of stuff. And it would not describe our house at all. I would do things that, I would purposely do things that I would think maybe people who wouldn't live in a mobile home park would do. I would I'd try to, you know, you know, be successful. I mean, I would, and that's not it at all. I was just so, I was messed up in my mind. But I would do things like I, I, be, I became um, FCA president of the school for two years. My senior year, I became vice president of the student body. And trying to be very successful, but all I had were superficial friends because of my unhealthy perception. But that all changed in the middle of my senior year. You know, I was tired of pretending. That, that unhealthy perception I, I was hiding something, and it was weighting me down, and I wasn't able to be myself. There's nothing wrong with living where I was living and still trying to, you know, make friends in other neighborhoods and, and trying to be in leadership positions at school. There's nothing wrong with that, but I didn't know that until I finally clicked, and I'm like, you know, God... I surrender. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be who I am. I'm gonna let it all down. And, and so what happened is my senior year, I met a, I, I met a friend, and, and, and he, he, was a, he was a guy that we, we had classes together, and, uh, and we were in choir together, and so I knew him, he knew me, but we were just never really friends. And uh, we became friends because as I was student body vice president, he was student body president. So we, we hung around, and I was like, you know what? This guy's, this guy's really cool. And so I invited him over to my trailer. Invited him over for dinner. And what this guy, his name's Keith, what Keith did, he accepted me for who I was, not where I lived. He accepted me for who I was, not where I lived. You know, I, I think now, how many friends would, would I have a better acquaintance with if I would have done this earlier? And you know what's interesting? There's only one person in my high school. And I, I mean, I ran with lots of people. There's only one person from my high school years that's in my mobile phone right now, and that's Keith. I texted him last night. I said, hey, man, I'm talking about you tomorrow. And um, I just want to say, hey, I never said this to you, but I just want to thank you for accepting me as who I was and not where I lived. Of course, he said, oh, thanks, buddy, you know, or whatever. Uh, good guy. He's in ministry. But I tell you, it, I, I was living a lie. So let me ask you this question. How have you been pretending? Are you pretending? You could be pretending when you think your life is less impressive 
than you think it ought to be. And here's a bad thing about pretending, because the more that we pretend to be someone we're not, then it goes deeper. Okay, let me give you a couple examples. You could, if you're living a lie, pretending to be someone you're not, you could be pretending like you're not married in your heart. That's a dangerous place. You could even be pretending like you're not a believer. Students, it's hard. It's difficult to, to be at school and as a Christian and to tell people you're, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's easier to just kind of hide behind and just pretend that you're not one of those crazy Jesus freaks. It's easy. But I tell you what, it sure complicates things. It complicates your heart. It complicates your mind. I'll say this again, as I said earlier. The most effective way you can simplify your life is to find out who you are and live it. But you may not know who you are because you're caught having to pretend to be someone you're not. So we have this perception of ourselves, this unhealthy perception of ourselves that can have huge implications on our behavior, but so does the perception of how we think others see us. You know, we spend a lot of time and energy and focus on trying to to measure up. Uh, Some of you may have even bought into the lie that your worth is based on your performance. You know, there are times I do, absolutely. You know, um, with church planting, with church planting, it's, it's a, um, I have learned a lot about myself and about others, and I'm still learning, with being a pastor and planting a church. Because, you know, when, when, you're, when you just go to, and be a pastor of a church that already exists, yeah, there's pressures, absolutely. But when you plant a church and you're the pastor, it's almost like you, you give birth, you give birth to a child. And so when, when things go, go great, you celebrate. When things are just kind of mundane, you're like, man, what's wrong? And, and, and you think it's about you. So easy to do that. Because I'll talk to other church planters, and, and I'll hear stories. Yeah, we're about two years, three years in. Man, we're just, we're just going to two services now. We're just rocking and rolling. Things are going great. And I'm going, oh, Okay, that's great, man. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. And it, of course, then they say, how are things going with you? And you know, I don't lie. I just don't tell everything that's going on. You know, I tell them, man, we just bought 20 acres. We had this awesome thing last Sunday, and it was great. Lots of people came. Man, just great fellowship. It was a home run. God is doing some great, incredible things. Man, that's awesome, brother. And then I walk away, and I think, why didn't I tell them? that I want to give it all up on Wednesday night. Because I did. Great celebration. Wednesday comes, man, it's like this darkness just came on me. It's like, you just ask my wife. She carries some of that too. I just wanted, I just wanted to walk away. And so, but I wasn't real with him. And I wasn't real with myself. So this week, I got convicted of that. And that's the reason why I'm preaching the sermon 
You think the sermon is for you, but it's really for me. And so it's so easy to get caught up in the performance. Our identity is confused when we are so concerned about how how others perceive us that we do unhealthy things. And I'm telling you, the biggest example that I can think of for your life and all of our lives is social media. When our identity is identified by who we pretend to be on social media, our lives will become complicated and cluttered, which is the opposite of simplify. You know, the relationships and our lives are strained because of the conflict between our pretend person and the, and the real person that our, our family knows who we are. Let me say this again. The most effective way you can simplify your life is to find out who you really are and live it. But you may not know who you are because you're caught having to pretend to be someone you're not. So you may ask yourself, well, well Frank, what, what are the signs? What are the, what are the signs that I have an unhealthy perception that could lead to a complicated identity. What are some of the signs? Let me just give you five of them. I'm sure there's more. These are just five as I was just studying, praying, that you may, you may know what these are. Number one, name dropper. Name dropper. If you're constantly dropping names of kind of important people you know or that you meet with, then you kind of have an unhealthy perception of who you are. Um, If you're always checking your social media record, you know, of of who, how many likes, you know, Instagram likes, you know, whatever, then you could have an unhealthy perception. Another one is approval of others. If, If you're constantly seeking the approval of others, then you have a sign of an unhealthy perception, which could lead to a complicated identity. Um, talking about yourself. If you're constantly, and I say constantly, and it's good, okay, it's okay to talk about you and your family and stuff, but you're constantly taking over conversations about yourself and your family, then that's a sign of an unhealthy perception, which could lead to a complicated identity. And the fifth one is taking, taking the credit. If you're constantly taking credit for success of a project, or a good idea, hey, it was my idea. Even if it really was your idea, then you have a sign of an unhealthy perception. So name dropper, social media record, uh, approval of others, talking about yourself, stealing the conversation, taking the credit. Those are, those are signs. I'm sure there are more. But as we live in, in, the, in the life of who we really, really are, how, other, how our family sees us and how God sees us, and, and we conflict that with who we're trying to be, we're tending to be, what it does, it creates a split personality. Because we wanna fit in to be accepted or to please others, we find ourselves reacting differently to various situations and settings. This creates a confusion. Um, in our true identity because it creates split personalities or even multiple personalities. Whatever the situation is, we need to ask ourselves, 
Will the real me stand up? Will the real me stand up? And so let me give you some examples. If you're going out of town on a business trip, away from family, away from really people you know, away from accountability, you need to ask yourself, will the real me stand up? Or will I pretend to be someone I'm not? When, um, when you have students, when you have friends that make ch- bad choices at school, or if you have people telling dirty jokes, will the real me stand up to that? I'm a believer, if you are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you say you live for him, that is who you are. But if you're trying to be someone else, then the real you will not stand up. Another example is gossip. If people are gossiping about others, talking about others, will the real you stand up and shut it down? Because see, if we're living a false identity, if we're, if, we're, if we're trying to pretend to be someone we're not, then that's going to lead to sin. It does all the time. So you've gotta watch that. So you may be asking the question, all right, Frank, I, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. Um, I could have a bad perception of myself. I could have a bad perception of how others see me. I could have split personalities when I live sort of two different people. When I'm, I'm, if I'm a believer, if you're a believer, if you're supposed to live for him, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're living a lie, then you may ask, well, well, Frank, who am I? Who am I? If you truly have accepted Christ as Savior, and if you are to be living for him and a Jesus follower, then I'm gonna share with you something that you need to know today. So here's the hope. And it's found in Ephesians chapter two, verse four through nine. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through nine. This is the Apostle Paul, and he writes this. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And here's our key verse for today. It's actually, we're gonna continue on in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, we'll stop there. So we are God's handiwork. And another passage, another translation of this word, handiwork, describes this as a masterpiece. So we are a masterpiece. I have here a painting. 
a beautiful, incredible masterpiece painting. It was painted by a very famous artist, Thomas Kincaid. You have maybe been to some of those Thomas Kincaid galleries in the mall. Remember the mall? Those indoor shopping places? You know, lots of malls in America had these Thomas Kincaid paintings. And we like this one because it's of an old country church. And uh, so this painting by Thomas Kincaid, he's known as the painter of light. If you position certain lights on it, bring down the light, uh, certain lights in a room, you can actually see the, the highlights pop out. But this painting started as an empty canvas. It didn't come like this. He didn't go to Hobby Lobby and buy a canvas and was already painted like this. It was empty. It was blank. But the artist made it beautiful. When you don't know your purpose and who you are, then your life will be cluttered with activities and things you try to do to be someone you're not. Our purpose is to be who God created us to be. But the problem is, we often try to tell God who we should be. We often tell God, God, I I, I wanna be like this. And God, being the master artist, has a different idea. And I like this verse in Isaiah 29, 16. It says, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? Using an example of, of, of a potter who starts with just a blob of clay and he forms it. That clay cannot tell the potter, you did not make me or, or maybe I want you to make me like this. That's up to the hands of the potter, just like this painting. The canvas did not tell Thomas Kincaid what it wanted to be. Thomas Kincaid was the master artist and he created the masterpiece. The role of the piece of art is to receive the beautiful work of the artist and rest there. The only thing this painting does, it hangs on our wall and it rests there does nothing but shows the beauty of the artist. Wow. How we could use that in our life. That example. Our purpose is to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do, as I said earlier in Ephesians. You are a masterpiece. Your your life is a piece of canvas. God is the master artist. Things really get cluttered and confused when we try to become the artist. You know, I could try my best to have a big piece of canvas and try to paint this very same thing, but it wouldn't look nothing like this at all. Nothing. Because I'm not an artist. I don't really know how to do that. And so, 
when we tried to put the paintbrush in our own hands of our life, then things can get really, really confused, confusing and can bring complexity on our life. Your life is a piece of canvas. God is a master artist. You can't become a masterpiece without the master artist. Let me say that again. You can't become a masterpiece without the master artist, God the Father, through his son, Jesus Christ. Can't. There are a lot of people in this world who are living without purpose, who are so bogged down with complexity of of trying to be someone that they're not. They don't know who they're not, who they aren't, because they don't have a relationship with the artist, with the creator, who's still painting the portrait of their life. Many of us, the problem is though, but many of us don't believe you're a masterpiece. Could be many in this room. You You may not believe that you're a masterpiece. We focus so much on our perceived deficiencies that we convince ourselves that God couldn't and wouldn't use us. Because we have not grasped who we are, we work hard to focus on all the things we are not. We try to grasp who we are. We work hard to focus on the things we are not. Because we've not grasped the purpose of who we are and who God is in our lives. So what do we do? We hide. We hide this masterpiece. You know, this, this masterpiece is, is hung in a very prominent place. If you've been to our house, you walk in the door, it's to the right above the dining room table. It's been there for 10 years. Um, but it wouldn't be good for this masterpiece to sit in a closet somewhere, would it? No, hidden? No way. Your life in Christ was meant to be displayed. I have a friend of mine who, uh, who recently had a job change and he had to move from this area to another state. And he asked me, hey, why don't you and the kids come over and y'all can help me load up my truck, my moving truck. We're like, okay. He said, I'll provide the Krispy Kreme, and we answered the call. So after we finished some donuts, we, uh, I was like, okay, what are we loading up? Because he had a lot of stuff. He said, go upstairs. And upstairs, he had like three big bedrooms and a huge like living room area full of masterpieces. But none of them were hanging on the wall. None of them. None of them were hanging on the wall. You know where? They were all just leaning against the wall on the floor, just stacked one right behind the other. And as we're bringing these masterpieces down, because he was a collector of these things, as we're bringing these masterpieces down, he would say, yeah, that, art, that painting's by such and such an artist. Be careful with it. It's worth like $7,000. We're like, what? I'm like, Lincoln, Lincoln, let me hold on to this one. Or he'd say, that one's worth 15000 Oh, be careful with that one. It's like worth 25000 None of them displayed on the wall, hidden for no one to see. Is that you? Do you get like that sometimes? I do. 
I know I'm a masterpiece, but sometimes I just don't feel like a masterpiece. I don't feel like a masterpiece because there are just days that I don't feel like um, <laughs> that God's really pleased. You could be in the same situation. You may be thinking, well, I don't feel like a masterpiece, Frank, because I've got mistakes. I've got mistakes in my life. Can I tell you something? If you were to take this painting and Thomas Kincaid, this is not an original, by the way, it's just a print, so, you know. But let's say if this is an original, and Thomas Kincaid painted a few of these originals, like by hand, he painted it exactly how the other ones were. He made a few originals. But let's say if one of them had a mistake in it. But he, he made it work, but it had a mistake in it. Which one's gonna be worth more? The one with the mistake. It always is. It always is. The masterpiece with the mistake by the master artist is, uh, is always worth more. So you can't sit here and think, Frank, because of my mistakes, because of my past, because of what I've done, I can't be used by God. I am not a masterpiece. I don't deserve to be displayed. I deserve to be leaning up against a wall and no one to see what God is doing in my life. You are dead wrong because your mistakes, which only the master God can do in your life, can include that mistake to make it something beautiful and it's even worth more. You know why your mistakes, your masterpiece is worth more? Because guess what? People look at that mistake and go, oh, they're real. They're real. They're not a zombie Christian. It's not an invasion of the body snatchers. We can connect with people even through our mistakes. We can live our purpose even with our mistakes. So the reason you think you are less impressive and you're not can display it as a masterpiece is because you're focused on your own handiwork and not his. When you're focused on what you can do, what you're trying to do, and I'm talking to myself as well, when you're so focused on that, then of course you don't feel like you're, dis you're displayed. You're not worthy of that because of your own work, because of our own holiness, which is, the Bible says is like filthy rags compared to the holiness of God and what he can do in our life. Only God is the great masterpiece. His work is impressive. Some of you can't get to that point because you feel like you've let God down. You feel like you've let God down. Let me ask you something. How can you let God down when you were never holding him up? How can you let God down when you were never holding him up? So, you need to be displayed, even with your mistakes. So, this new masterpiece mindset is going to have good implications. It'll have good implications on you and your life. If you truly believe you're a masterpiece, then you cannot think of yourself as less than impressive. You are impressive because what the master is creating on your 
canvas of life. You don't need to pretend anymore. Stop pretending to be someone you're not. Students, stop pretending to be someone you're not. This will also affect the way you see other people. And so we're frank. You know, I, I've, got, I've got children that are just, they're, they're crazy, they're, they're wild. You know, how, how can I deal with that? It just, it brings out the worst in me. Can I tell you something? That could be a masterpiece. Your kid may be wild, maybe crazy, but that's a, uh, that may be a, a, maybe that looks something totally different than this. It's like, this is not my child. Maybe your child is a cowboy riding a bull, right? But it's really, really, and it's beautiful and stuff, and it's, it's like robust and dangerous. That's okay. He's still a masterpiece. Because when you look at yourself as a masterpiece, even with your deficiencies, you're gonna look at others differently. Man, that person, that person's dangerous. <laughs> that person's wild. That person's crazy. That's how God wired that boy. Whatever. You know? You look at people differently when you decide to live as a masterpiece. So stop trying to live your life the way you see yourself or the way we desperately want others to see us. But live your life in the way God sees you, the way God created you. Are you, are you hiding your masterpiece? And so where do we start? How can we, how can we move forward in this? I love this passage in, in the book of Job. I would encourage you to read Job. Job, Job can be kind of depressing and boring. And, but I tell you, I, I recently went through, I was just kind of flipping through my Bible. I was looking through Job. You know, I, I have underlined and starred more in Job than almost any other book in the Bible. I have. And not this Bible. I have another Bible that I've, I've, I've had since high school. And it's the same one I read out of in the mornings. And, 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 I, and, and I look at Job and, I'm, I, and I see so many good nuggets of truth in Job. Here's one that I really, really love, and this will help you kind of march towards displaying your masterpiece. It's found in Job chapter 11, verses 13 through 19. It says this, yet if you devote your heart to him, to God, and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face you will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it as only as water's gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid, and many will court your favor. Wow, what a great promise. What a great promise. Some of y'all need to take that passage and read it a few times. You do. Such promise at the end. But there's some instructions at the beginning. Number one, we have to devote our heart. We have to devote our heart to God. We've got to stretch out our hands to heaven. Stretch out our hands and say, God, help me. Help me to, to live the masterpiece. 
Help me to live out. Lord, I, I take this paintbrush, it's in my hand, and I give it to you. You need to put away the sin. Put away the sin. Stop doing things in your life that's causing interruptions from the master doing great artwork on your life. And then allow no evil in your house. Allow no evil in your home. It says tent. I don't think there's anybody living in a tent here today. If you are, let me know. We'll work on that. But if you, if you live in a house, allow no evil in the house. Do everything you can to allow no evil in the house. What a great, incredible promise. So as I close, this painting, as I said earlier, was by Thomas Kincaid. Um, Thomas Kincaid had a lovely wife before beautiful girls. Um, his, his painting business was very successful. At one point, it was worth over $140 million. But Thomas began to receive criticism about his work um, because the pressure of trying to be successful year after year and, and try to answer his critics because he was trying to appease them, trying to look good in, in, in their eyes, he began to believe what others were saying about him. Even though he was known as a painter of light, darkness began to fill his heart. He died on April 6th, 2012, after an overdose of alcohol and Valium. But behind this masterpiece, was a man struggling with his, his identity. But that broken identity was not God's identity for Thomas Kincaid. This masterpiece, this masterpiece, this painting, was the identity of Thomas Kincaid. But his life later on, as he allowed the approval of others, trying to please them, to settle in and listening to his critics and not to God, then it warped and it confused his identity. Don't allow what others think about you and don't allow situations to control and define who you are. You are defined by what Christ did for you and how you respond to that sacrifice. As I said many times over in this passage, in this message today, the most effective way you can simplify your life is to find out who you really are and live it, live that person. But you may not know who you are because you're caught having to pretend to be someone you're not. If you are born again believer in Jesus Christ. Your identity is in Christ, not in what others think, not in your past mistakes. That's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. It's not what others think about you through the stupid thing of social media. It's really warped our sense of identity in this world. And it's made 
our hearts and minds very complex and not simple at all. When we're able to come to him and let God chip away all the things that have come onto us from this world and him to see us as he created us to be and as he is still creating you to be, then we can live a life of simplicity.